Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. We speak with startup founders, investors, and the best minds in the Indian startup ecosystem, right here on the Stars and Startups podcast with Varun Gopi. Today we have Rahul Chandra, who was earlier the managing director at Helion Ventures, a six hundred million dollar India-focused fund where Rahul led investments into some popular internet ventures, including Topper, Moengage, and a few others that he mentions on the show. We touch on a range of topics on this episode, including his book, The Moonshot Game, that was published by Penguin Random House, the thesis of his latest fund, Arkham Ventures, that includes LPs such as Bini Bansal of Flipkart and Vijay Shekhar Sharma of Paytm. We also get his thoughts on agri-investments, reverse migration, and rural mobility. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating wherever you're listening to this podcast or watching it. Don't forget, I really, really appreciate it. Hi Rahul, welcome to the show. Hey Varun, hi. Good to be on it. Thank you for Fantastic. having me. Congratulations on uh, your uh, completion of your fundraise, and uh, I believe uh, you've already started deploying capital from your new fund. Uh, well. Great time to have completed it. What's what's the uh, general emotion? Yeah, it's uh, thank you so much. It's it's a good feeling. It's although it's a first close, so we still have a bit to go uh, before the final close happens. But uh, certainly feeling very fortunate and thankful. Uh, we have uh, got enough capital, and uh, more importantly, it's come from people that we really respect a lot, and it's. Um, uh, capital that has come at a great time. Uh, there are opportunities that uh, have come up uh, that were not there six months back. Uh, some really attractive investment opportunities are available to us now. So it's the perfect time actually to have this, uh, and we are uh, we are pretty excited actually to be going around with the checkbook. That's pretty uh, incredible, right? You have about three hundred plus crores that you raised at the moment. Uh, and you said this is your first close. What does that mean in the investment world? So, um, since our target is 700 crores, we have uh, substantial commitments from people, uh, which means that uh, uh, there are there is a reality to what the fund is looking like. So, there is a very meaningful gap between pre-close and per, uh, post-first close in the form of... Uh, there has been real money that has been signed up and uh, you know it's usually you know uh, as you would also see in a startup the first check is usually the hardest and uh, you know when that goes in that's like the lead check and then others can follow because a lot of the diligence has already happened a lot of the paperwork has got signed the mechanics of it has been figured out uh, the legality of it has been figured out by a bunch of qualified institutional investors so it's uh, it's a high point in terms of uh, very validated and uh, qualified uh, investment by by a variety of investors. So people who will look at it now uh, will be able to draw from uh, you know the time testing of uh, the investment platform. And uh, more importantly, also it will you know we are investing like you said. So people coming in now will also see the big difference between talking about a thesis on a slide and then actually having ownership in uh, you know several companies. It's a pretty uh, incredible that you've been able to bring on board a couple of stalwarts, at least in the entrepreneurship side. I'm speaking specifically with regards to Bini and, and uh, you know, BSS. 
did you go after them or did they say hey we like what you're doing uh, and here is a chance no it was a very deliberate exercise so you know I, when we i fundraised in 2006 the world was very different uh, there weren't any founders like this it was not a founder first world back in 2006 it was a very investor first world uh, and what it means now is that uh, there are uh, these sub pockets in the tech ecosystem um, and clearly you know uh, there is an ecosystem now there is a, a you know group of uh, angels that would typically come together you know that the team gets built based on certain affiliations of where people have worked in the past uh, and uh, you know we feel that in a founder first world it is almost critical to have their uh, validation as well as uh, you know to be able to have their trust being shown in the form of an investment what we expect to leverage from that is of course uh, you know their uh, ecosystem of startups that they have either invested in or are supporting or advising in some ways uh, and also more importantly their learnings from where the puck is going uh, you know we we want to be able to aggregate that knowledge uh, into our investment thesis and uh, you know it certainly the puck is moving much faster and puck is an ice hockey term which is commonly used in the us where uh, you have to move because it moves so fast on the ice you got to place yourself there you know just uh, uh, extrapolating where you are you're thinking the puck is going to be otherwise you never get close to it unlike a ball so that's how the opportunity set is right now in india there uh, things are moving very quickly sub sectors are happening uh, disruptors are coming in you know already uh, a lot of things have changed in the last 3 or 4 years so we uh, uh, we want to leverage this this knowledge and the best way to do is to have uh, uh, you know a uh, investment commitment from some of the biggest names in the indian ecosystem so it was very deliberate work and uh, again the idea is to collaborate a lot with the founder ecosystem you've been a magic director at cilion uh, which was a vc fund what were the learnings that you've taken from there led you to build uh, arkham and and generally what is your thought process uh, with regards to fund itself you know one of the key learnings that has led to the thesis in arkham uh, which is the name of the new fund it means the sun in sanskrit and uh, you know we we would like it to also mean expansive and limitless in terms of the ambitions that the founders are chasing especially when it is applied to the thesis that we have which is uh, you know using tech to solve uh, the very key problems for middle india so middle india always existed problems always existed but uh, it was very inaccessible now the public infrastructure gives us access to those uh, you know to those people in middle india and uh, the way the tech stack has got built in india and the obviously acceptance and usage of mobile as uh, as a tech technology for end use uh, that put together gives us this uh, uh, amazing opportunity to go after that now the difference between approach at helion and at arkham is that you know helion was always uh, 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 when well it came out at a time when uh, spaces in india were not so well defined right? there was uh, several attempts for from us to figure out how uh, you know wide open spaces could emerge uh, there was also you know belief that non tech uh, was good enough when disrupting a sector or creating a new brand uh, we 
we at that time we did not uh, have the benefit of uh, you know hindsight where uh, the leverage that you can get from a you know a product play you know is what is going to drive scale so now uh, you know obviously after so many years uh, what we find in middle india is that we can build an entire fund out of it by just focusing on three spaces earlier that belief was not there earlier the belief was that you know you look at things more bottom up you know let things just come up the pipe uh, use first principles and understand com- something completely new tomorrow right earlier you know you just invested in um, you know let's let's say going back in a bpo company and then you invested in a online travel online ticketing company so the knowledge is very uh, you know there's very little transfer and as a firm um, the space that you're investing in is very siloed you know one partner doesn't know well enough even if you were to start focusing on this there's very little common knowledge amongst the investment group so when you're taking a decision uh, the decisions are always you know i'm assuming that the partner knows the space much better than i do uh, here we are trying to do a more collective uh, knowledge share and at the end of the day you know as as i've written in the book as well uh what helion went through was a very good period of aggregating why we made those investments which one worked which ones didn't uh and uh, you know that's again a, you know, that point about partners coming together to think about and assessing an opportunity so here at arkham we are one doubling down on uh you know a space which we think can be very very deep uh, we are only looking at financial services healthcare agri and mobility uh and we're beginning to now look at ed tech but we are uh, also not going to look at something which is uh, going to let's say apply to the you know top 20 million indians we will specifically say no to that opportunity which which means that we are uh, not going to get diverted out from this middle india theme so that is one core pillar for us and the second core pillar is that you know these uh, essential nature of these services you know we feel that 80% of the wallet share of middle india goes into these three areas so there has to be um, you know depth in it we have to understand it really well uh, and again the idea of locating where the puck is going comes from the fact that you know about the space quite well so and the reason of course uh, varun why this is happening is because bala and i had the opportunity to invest in our past lives um bala's invested in a bunch of uh, again disruptive companies in fintech i've done a combination of companies both in uh, fintech and in uh, consumer tech so those uh, those learnings are again what what is leading us to 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 this um and then of course there are uh, many other differences that we can keep talking about but this is at the fundamental level when you so say when middle india um right you you said it's not the top 20 million uh, users um, right mm-hmm. but that's a very broad based kind of thought right because what we are ultimately saying it's uh, not in terms of where you're located uh, and not geographic limitation but in terms of economic and social affordability of items etc is, is that what the thought is it somehow mirrors uh, with location as well so but it i guess not to say that you know we have to go to tier 3 tier 4 it could very well be tier 1 and tier 2 but you're right the i think the the first cut is the economic affordability uh, which then determines what is my priority as a household 
you know do i spend uh, you know do i really care about uh, you know saving that 10 rupees on my vegetable purchase or i don't care uh, you know am i primarily going to go to my neighborhood kirana guy because i'm going to get a loan from him or a, you know some kind of a uh, you know pay later facility uh, or i just like the time convenience of a big basket because you know i'm a working couple uh, we don't have time and i need to you know prioritize time and convenience uh, so i think that's the split in you know these two indias one is very productivity and uh, convenience driven and the other is uh, still very much cost and and uh, affordability driven so you know you can't mix the two and that is the primary thesis and because the purchase behavior is totally different uh, thankfully the affordability india or affordability driven india is made up of you know 400 million indians so we see it as a massive market uh, and we can keep uh, looking at multiple stacks in how we build that you know we could look at just a tech play in this market we could look at a consumer play we could look at a b2b play so you know those things are uh, as they were before but you know at the end of the day the end market is this 400 million indians also the angels who come on board they have also pretty much spent a lot of time in this segment and given both of your backgrounds as well uh, you and bala uh, how do you uh, look at supporting the founders themselves um, so you have of course there's there's board meetings and there's you know information that you uh you know kind of exchange uh, so when you're looking at uh investing only in startups and and which you call collective knowledge not only from the investors but also from all the businesses you're investing in are you looking at them jointly working together like a jigsaw puzzle where they're all kind of creating this uh new future but independently or are you you know uh, creating some kind of a new structure where they can all uh, interact with each other see now all that is uh, you know information sharing and uh, massive uh, you know trying to drive as much of the knowledge curve as possible within the end goal of you know don't make the same mistakes that uh, your previous generation has made or you know we look at 100 companies so we don't want uh, you know our 10 companies to make mistakes which we are seeing happening all around those are uh, par for the course so we are absolutely going to do that and we're going to do that through a series of you know just lot of uh, interactive activities people coming and speaking but you know i think that leaves a lot of uh, you know how much are you going to take away from that and how much you going to absorb most good founders and we are hoping to find all of them uh, don't need vc help right so you know that is the best secret of the best kept secret of our of our business that uh, you know vc help is for people who are still i think in development phase but you know ideally you would like people to be so self sufficient that we are learning from them versus the other way around uh, and then if if we have got that then we have done a very good job of uh, identifying the you know the really self sufficient uh, high learning founders what can we do uh, of course varun would be uh, you know dependent on the stage at which we are entering so we do a's and b's and uh, you know there are different uh, requirements i think again based on our past uh, network and you know 20 years 20 plus years in the venture business uh, we have uh, access to networks across the world in terms of both you know investing as well as exits 
some of our uh, you know uh, some of our investors are people who have spent 20 plus years doing uh, in the you know let's say insurance across asia and they are there you know they have uh, they have been appointed um, as advisors so very specifically we have an advisory board uh, which is built to give that one on one access to founders uh, on specific areas around their thesis uh, strategy go to market and uh, some of these people are uh, you know folks like anand chandrasekharan who has built four products you know i think the aggregate user base is a billion plus and uh, he knows indian product management really well he knows the problem really well he, he sits in the us but he's quite in, aware of that uh, we have uh, uh, arun um, he runs a insurance company in the us but he is you know he used to run an insurance company in india uh, again very intimate with the whole insure tech world and he's seeing that that at us you know in india and so again these are people who have come forward we have uh, brought them on as uh, they and they're also investors in the fund where they are able to then uh, have very in depth and like i said we are trying to uh, follow you know the the arrow uh, without having this multi uh, sector focus everyone's doing everything so if you if we are looking at fintech you know that's not where we are staying you know it's not like we are saying oh we we'll do one lending company and be done with it because we want, we understand the layers we understand how different uh, opportunities can seem so close to each other but they're actually not so close and they can independently build large companies so we plan to go into depth around the areas that we are investing in so we we have a very high concentration of domain uh, that we are bringing in through the advisors Uh, and uh, for us as well that's, so that's one example so uh, so they are lps as well as bk advisors and uh, so the lps can then get higher return on their investment by also shepherding some of the businesses that are part of the portfolio well they have uh, they have day jobs so it's not like they will uh, spend an inordinate amount of time but are they available you know once a quarter for a long chat absolutely uh you know can they do a program with us on um you know not just again an aggregated learning from the ecosystem but also specific to that founder if if uh, they have any any uh, questions that are specific to the problems they're dealing with can they help connect of course uh, we have a very wide spectrum now that we can use to connect people um you know at the end of the day most species are just uh, connecting you know i think we are the we are the ancestors of linkedin so you know i think we'll do a great job at uh, finding resources from around the world for our founders because there was a school of thought right uh, when addison horowitz created a team to support their investee uh, companies they went and built a full fledged team right from uh, hiring marketing data uh, uh, you know all kinds of uh, you know hot shots in in their spaces to basically say hey your main job is to go and support these companies uh, social capital as well created a incredible structure uh, you know where they plug in uh, to the the investee companies uh, they would have a data layer which would then churn out uh, information and they created this amazing network um, do you think something like that ever worked and would work in a country like india are there any examples of that actually working 
yes, I am a believer. I think it works, uh, especially in a country like India. Uh, you know, the whole idea is uh, is not whether it works or not. Uh, the idea is that it it is being uh, initiated by someone, uh, and you know it's being inserted into the business at the right time. So it is probably you know um, the next level of you know let's listen to a webinar on go to market, and you know the next generation or the next level is here's our uh, operating partner who's going to you know meet you every month and build a go to market uh, thesis with you, and. Uh, I think nothing better than that, right? And and it's not a question again of it is a it's a incredible uh, learning for the founder uh, to actually just uh, bounce stuff and actually put something which is uh, tangible, right? Uh, you know, and, and a form and to get the inputs of someone who's a coach and mentor to do it. So I think it's uh, uh, that's one level where there is a tangible result. I think the social capital uh, data modeling. Piece also, I'm a big believer in. And I think that uh, is again being drawn from the fact that uh, user growth is, you know, is uh, is a hugely uh, scientific activity, and resources are best shared than to, you know, build one by one. So for by the time you get to it, it's too late because you know you don't have the capital, you don't have the resources to bring somebody and build a talent team inside. It's best to then use, you know, external resources. I'm a big believer. I would love to do it at some point. Uh, you know, hopefully not too far in the future. Uh, but the, uh, uh, you know, but I think these things are great. And, that, and I, I, I don't, uh, again, not, don't want to get caught whether they work or not. Uh, but just the fact that they exist, I think, are, are super learning uh, uh, experiences. for the, And, you know, they always do a, they can say, hey, what you're saying is, you know, complete BS and, you know, I can do it better. More power to you, I think. You know, but the whole idea was that you know, you, you find the better path if this is not the right one. I, I found out that you wrote a book called The Moonshot Game. Was that you know, kind of your transition from the earlier fund to the new fund, basically announcing? Uh, did you take a different approach to announcing how you're going to get it, get back into the investing world? It was uh, an exercise for me to uh, actually get out stuff that was in my head on paper and uh, uh, it was um, to capture some of these things while I still had them fresh in my head. And of course, the motivation was that, you know, if it's shared widely, then, you know, more people can read about it. And besides amusement value of, you know, uh, me not being able to invest in Vijay Shekhar Sharma in 2006, uh, you know, I think it it helps people understand what VC VCs are about, what the interactions uh, generally mean when they, you know, when they meet a VC. So I think it was more of a demystification of you know of a VC, and I I think it was important to put it out because there was nothing like that in the Indian context, and even the ones in the US context are very preachy. Uh, you know, they're always giving lessons. Uh, and maybe you can become a great founder just reading 12 chapters of a book. I don't think it happens in reality, but I think more importantly, if, if the interactions are better understood, if the engagement experience, uh, you know, around fundraising, around uh, what can go wrong, or, uh, you know, sometimes even when you're fundraising, things can go wrong. So I think those experiences 
PCs generally don't like to share, and I was uh, not very cagey about sharing, so I I went ahead and did that. But it was a good experience. Uh, I think I really enjoyed writing it and uh, getting it out. You graduated uh, from uh, UC Berkeley, uh, where you did your masters, uh, you know, the MBA, and then you started working in the investment world uh, in the in the US, and then that kind of brought you to India, right? Um, no, 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 no. That, that was not the story. That's not how it happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what happened is that I was working. Uh, I graduated from Bhutani, and uh, I I entered the financial services world broadly. Uh, so I was working at SEBI, and then I was in an investment bank. Then I joined a uh, in you know a fund advisory company called Quantum, where uh, a VC from the US was who we were advising. So. This was really the first tech VC fund in India. Uh, India was far from being tech at that point, so this was '97. So this this was when I first entered VC. But I was uh, in 2000. I moved to the Valley to actually invest in Silicon Valley with the same fund. And uh, so I'd done uh, I've several years of that. I did my business school as well since I was in the US. I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity. Uh, and I came back, and uh, you know, I I uh, um, came up with the idea of doing an India fund, and I discussed that with Ashish, um, who was at another fund at that point, and then we started Helion. Uh, and for that, then I moved to India. So it was it was not uh, like a fresh switch for me. I wish it was, uh, but uh, no, it was because I knew India. I'd been tracking it, so I felt that 2006 was a good time to. To go back, so 2005 we raised our first Helion fund, and then 2006 I came back. And you've had a few hits uh, as part of Helion uh, to a large extent. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, a few of them that are close to your heart? Yeah, all of them are close. I think one way or the other, either they've left, uh, uh, you know, some kind of a heartburn, or <laughs> they they have been uh, very satisfying. But I think all. Uh, um, amongst all of them, uh, the ones I I feel have really broken out and uh, you know are going to be long-lasting names. Uh, Equitas was, I think, the first breakout which went public, yeah. uh, and this is a company we invested in quite early. Uh, and uh, what we saw signs of at that point also uh, was uh, you know the all the makings of a very large sustainable business, you know, were present even that early in that company. Uh, Spandana, which was, uh, you know, a microfinance company, also has gone public, uh, but has gone through a, you know, near-death experience, actually uh, almost a death experience, not even near, but it has gone public eventually. So that one was an amazing journey because of, you know, the ups and downs that came along the way. Uh, the learning from these, and again, this is the 400 million Indians affordability, etc., led me to then invest early in a housing finance company called Shubham, uh, which is in the micro housing finance space. Um, these uh, three are totally in the non-tech but finance domain, but they gave me very solid learnings in, you know, how lending works, how Middle India works, and uh, also, you know, how do companies go public uh, in India? Right? So, so the whole journey from the start. What does it take? Yeah, the whole journey, and then 
you know that that uh, end process it's not just good enough to be a large company i mean there's a lot of effort it takes to even go public so those were good uh, experiences and they are quite rare in india to have public companies i don't think there are too many vc funded public companies um then there was a big exit in um, uh, a company called united flex that we that we did uh, a year and a half back which was again a very uh, good outcome for helion where uh, investors got uh, you know capital back several times uh, multiple multiplied uh, and it was another experience of an exit for the sale to a financial sponsor it was not a strategic or an ipo but a financial sponsor so that was another experience of an exit you know finally um, it it all comes down to how much money do you return to your investors um, in that sense you know i've been very fortunate you know it's been a portfolio where uh, there've been several exits uh, maybe not a flipkart but you know i think the exit and exitability of the portfolio i'm very confident about i think uh, every company is a uh, you know is going to give us strong uh, meaningful exit to investments and uh, the other one of course i had, i had a very short uh, experience with what was an early company uh, in the whole product centric uh consumer tech business so it was called cucumber town uh cherian was the founder and uh, it was uh, at that time a very well thought through product story around uh, you know how uh, and, you know putting your recipe out or sharing to people you know how can uh, that be made into a much easier process and how can uh, you know that passion be converted into a monetizable business um but again had good learning with cherian uh, you know his product thinking and i picked up a lot of things from from him in the process and uh, of course the recent crop at helion uh, has been um, more engaged which has again grown tremendously from the time it was just a seed investment for us really r3 was uh, was almost a seed which has grown significantly topper has grown significantly so uh yeah there are several uh, names uh, and i'm you know proud of all of them uh and then at arkham also we have you know we've uh, made our investments so we have uh, committed to six we have announced three um we have announced the uh, most recent one last week and sol j kisan so again it's a company i'm uh, very excited about and um, you know i i believe it also um brings that thesis we started with that is the combination of the tech stack and middle india to create a very scalable uh, play why more recently has there been uh, interest in agri uh, because agri is a technically is probably one of the oldest businesses in the country mm-hmm. right yeah it is um, absolutely <laughs> uh, but more recently there has been a lot of chatter about uh, agri and more people want to talk to uh, agri founders uh, you know it's not an easy job uh, to go and change a lot of um, you know the ways in which agri functions right um, mm-hmm. from start to finish there's probably 100 things you can do uh, even before the farmer plants the seeds right there's just so yeah. much uh, in this whole chain but why has it you know resulted in venture capital wanting to get here uh, because as i understand 
obviously there's if you're becoming a large player in each of these segments you can probably create unicorns or decacorns each of those segments but why now again we could be a little early uh, and you know i i always am bearing about very about calling out yeah it's the time has come uh there uh, because these are all very one off cases right i mean we feel jaykisan is uh, showing real traction on the ground and uh, you know we can see the proof uh, but uh, yeah i mean if you look outside i think there's been more talk of agri than it has ever been talked about before i think good work done by folks like omnivore who have uh, been concentrated around that thesis and i and i feel that's the power of thesis right where you're building a portfolio you're creating uh, depth in in a particular area and you're concentrating the learning uh, within a portfolio so i think it's uh, partly thanks to that partly thanks to a bunch of success stories that everyone ignored at one point right so the uh, you know other thing that you know we we realize when we talk to people uh, and let's say when we say fintech is that people think of a lending company right uh, so the the what they have heard is typically what they will think the sector is all about um so agri you know while it means a farmer sowing a seed but it also means a data company that is then going to lead to uh you know data around um a lot of decisions that will be made which are very valuable decisions right they have a lot of value to be captured there so a stymet uh which again you know no vc uh you know actually looked at seriously but it has become a massive company uh, it is in the agri space because most of the data is used in agri a satellite company which is doing imaging is also can be considered an agri company um so you know jaykisan is an agri fintech company but you know if you want we can call it an agri company so i think some of the uh, problems are being solved through now a combination of iot and data, you know data science and of course at the end of the day the uh, you know adoption of tech at a farmer level uh, at a dealer level and this the whole rural uh, you know you you can reach anyone anywhere thanks to geo um so there is you know just massive connectivity today as well but i think it's it's a it's a sequence some successes like skymed have happened and some exciting tech players are beginning to now show up which make a lot of sense you know fintech has to do with can you keep your uh, you know cost of capital low can you deploy enough to have a large enough loan book and can you predict outcomes right uh, in, i mean in terms of delinquencies and, and you know prepayment etc right in when you're looking at uh, Jaykisan, I'm just getting digging a little deeper because you know we have a live example here. Um, of course, there's a large enough opportunity because you can say that uh, a large part of the GDP is contributed by agri. So you can say, okay, this is a large enough tank. But if you look at the, uh, uh, you know, we talk about farmer deaths all the time and suicides, where the weather plays a huge role, etc. How did these things play into the investment? you know at some point you you uh, you are paid to do this job uh, and that's why i think vcs exist versus somebody who's you know going to look at uh, you know more of the you know like right now agri is hot and go look for stuff and i think the whole point i was earlier also making some spaces are so close to each other and 
teeth, you can't tell that they're actually different. Uh, so, uh, in Agri specifically, the uh, current lending structure is broken because there is no linkage of the loan to the end use. Right? Very few uh, loans that go into agri sector actually get used for productive agri purpose. And so, the, and as a result, there's no way you can track the productive use of that because they don't mirror farming cycles. Uh, you know, sowing cycles is, you know, when you should get a loan, it should go into that. And, you know, you, end use uh, monitoring is happening. Uh, the cash flows are being uh, monitored. Uh, it always goes into buying a motorcycle or a wedding or a non-agri related end use. It is just that sector is consuming those loans. and. Uh, um, there are two kinds of farmers in India. Again, like we talked about the two kinds of Indians. One is time sensitive, one is affordability sensitive. Farmers are also two types. One is the old world, basically sustenance living and, uh, you know, just enough land parcel, uh, not adopted modern technology, caught in the old system of, you know, just going year on year and dealing with losses and the really uh, struggling variety. Right? And, and that's uh, unfortunately, at this point, the bulk of Indian farming. And that's, again, a more developmental problem. The other lot, which is still a very meaningful section uh, of, uh, of farmers, are those who are rapidly adopting modern farming technology. Uh, they are aware of data and modern farming practices. And they have tied up with you know, an end buyer uh, for their produce. Uh, so they have a predictable cash flow cycle. Uh, they are flexible about how many times they rotate, uh, you know, in a year, what all they grow and how much money they make. So they are the ones who are uh, saying that this is not just a sustain sustenance living. It's actually where it is a business where I can make money and, you know, from the profits of this, I can, you know, spend on my consumables. This second lot is what is very attractive in India. And, you know, given it is India, uh, a large part of our economy is still GDP. We are talking about this section also to be very, very, very massive opportunity where the next generation farmer is your customer. And, uh, you know, they are the early adopters, if you will, in a tech, uh, in a consumer market. So you can build a fairly large business. You are not affected by government loans, your waivers. and But, you know, those things do exist even now. But a smart farmer will know that the moment they, you know, they take the easy path of getting a loan waived or waiving, you know, asking for a waiver, then they are out of that, uh, you know, creating wealth out of agri, you know, of agri practice. You know, so they are just like a consumer in India who is not aware of, you know, a bad loan, but then chooses to actually, you know, get get a unpaid loan on his uh, on his credit report uh, will be out of the borrowing market just like that i think there are there is an awareness that uh, you have to stay uh, on the right you know on the right practice side so it, you know if you look under the cloud of farmer loans and government uh, interference all that you know then you can see uh, the customer very clearly in in that sense um, are we also seeing the younger generation or the new age farmer being younger because there was a lot of debate on you know the, the children of farmers not wanting to be farmers 
and then mm-hmm. you know coming to towns uh, you know to to become you know zomato delivery boys etc right um yeah it, uh, is is that changing uh, or are we saying that you know we're going after uh, the same farmer and hopefully we can also bring in the younger generation to take up farming as a sustainable living which you know they don't really change their practices and of course you know a lot of these people love their farms and their homeland yeah yeah i mean i don't have data for this for unfortunately i can't comment uh, what we are all seeing i think this whole migrant uh, reversal them going back you know dependency on uh, you know eating what you grow but going back with modern practices you know awareness of the modern world having a connectivity with a buyer in a town or a city you know directly selling you know versus selling through intermediaries i think some of those uh things may get impacted with this uh, migration ch- uh, challenge that you know where people have gone back home uh but i think in general there is uh, just like any place uh, you know they were uh, young now they are uh, you know uh, they've done well in their uh, farming practices practices but by and large they are guys who are you know they are more uh, responsive to change just like in any other area uh age may or may not have much to do with it uh but they are just you know highly uh, you know responsive and they are early adopters so i think that uh, human characteristic is there amongst everyone right so that set of farmers really is what this this would represent so whenever somebody shows uh, an ad for a barber they always show uh, a gentleman who's holding a feature phone right um mm-hmm. so so i think uh, maybe reverse migration might change a little bit of that um since we're on the topic of reverse migration and, and you know uh, your specialty is middle india where are you seeing the impacts really of this kind of reversal um, you know one we can obviously say that you know now there's going to be more mature uh, uh, rural audience somewhat because of the learnings that they've taken back home um, mm-hmm. right uh, do you see them staying there and then bettering their own surroundings instead of coming to uh, larger cities and towns what do you see as the impact what has been some of your thoughts on this yeah you know it's in the it's certainly in the uh, wish list category so it's something that we can all uh, but i i think the uh, it's unlikely that they're all going to stay back right so i'm i'm i was hoping that let's say 90% come back and but they come back with again an awareness which is uh, hey we shouldn't be left out in the cold the next time this happens so i think uh, their approach to life should change to saying uh, let's build more sustainable lives uh, let's ask for let's say not just wages but also protection let's buy insurance let's put away some money for uh, you know let's be mobile uh, i think some of those insecurities that they that led to challenges is what they will you know try and uh, you know hopefully fix and not forget about it but you know they should prioritize some of these uh, uh, you know challenges that that they faced and come back and you know so i i, I think at the uh, net change would be for the urban uh, recruiters would be i think people asking for more wages and more protection uh, it could also lead to um, uh, you know more migration you know i think and uh, over time right because now if the conditions improve uh, 
then more people could move out so uh, i mean uh, an ideal wish list scenario could be that yes there was uh, just so much to do with, you know that uh, but i i i think that would have taken hold off if there was somebody who was uh, uh you know opening a new factory in in a rural area and yeah. you know there was a need for it there but that's not really happening at the pace at which uh, one would like these you know uh, them to find labor and employment in their rural areas but yeah i think uh, if that were to happen then it would be incredible for india because then we are seeing multiple pockets of development not just the you know the limited urban centers i i have a similar thought where you know you have development happening in uh, some of the smaller towns where then you know capital goes there people go there uh, it become more sustainable i mean even if you go to a, a city like nagpur which people talk about which is you know supposed to be uh, a more developed city this i mean anybody who's listening from nagpur don't take me in a wrong way but uh, there there wasn't that much to do it's it's like you know and we're talking about uh, you know if somebody had to classify nagpur they'd probably say it's a tier 1 tier 2 no, right uh, but mm-hmm. i i didn't see anything different from it being uh, maybe a smaller town the difference between those two towns are not very large so you're saying that yeah. if people remain and investments go there and people don't venture so far maybe not 300 500 700 kilometers from their hometown then they become centers for development and that results in you know maybe home ownership going up in those uh, smaller towns uh, you know because now they'll want to plant roots right or would it always be that they'd always want to go back and keep it as temporary yeah i mean this again goes back to the uh, you know power of entrepreneurship right so some of them if there are no uh, local jobs available and if they were to stay back then the only reason would be let's build something here ourselves mm. right we have the capital that we brought from working in the city and uh, you know let's build something locally so i think that way there is a uh, you know small possibility that there there are micro enterprises that sprout uh, you know that are solving local village problems by the way we have, you know we've met a couple of uh, agri companies you know in you know they have a very strong connects with rural entrepreneurs you know so people who would go about and uh, introduce modern agri practices with modern equipment and they are people uh, they are called rural entrepreneurs uh, so you know so I, and I, i go back to saying this is a human characteristic you know you will find those entrepreneurial qualities anywhere everywhere so here also if something has to take root in uh you know their their native places it has to be where they say okay i'm going to just stay back because my quality of life is better but my livelihood is something i put together myself right so i think it's just a, a good scenario for uh, you know just more uh, entrepreneurial energy going and uh, markets which are not yet uh, uh, you know seeing the benefits now that you've announced you fund uh, your ex uh, your been a vc earlier as well you are probably getting hundreds of uh, you know uh, inbound requests saying hey please fund me <laughs> what teams are you seeing people building in this current time so uh, i think some of it has to be related to what we have said we are interested in mm-hmm. so i am uh, seeing of course a lot of uh, healthcare and uh, 
and fintech stuff. So the themes in these two, uh, uh, I, I, I'm seeing several companies in the agri, uh, sorry, in the insure tech uh, category. So building, uh, you know, pieces for, uh, which will, you know, go into uh, maybe replacing the tech engine of an insurance company or creating a affinity uh, insurance business. So I think that one we are seeing in in, uh, uh, in several places because again insurance is um, we are also seeing a lot of education. So you know, like I said, we are beginning to look at education. A lot has already happened. It's been in the news, and again, the long term change is that you know online learning is no longer uh, a luxury; it is a necessity. So you know, people are just going to take more of the wallet share. Uh, you know, and and you know, ag- uh, education comes into that as well. So, um, so we are seeing several opportunities in that world where uh, it is meant for tier three, tier, tier four, or it is you know for uh, government exams, or it is about shared learning amongst uh, people. Of course, the problem of devices and uh, you know if you go out more and more, that is very stark. You know, it's okay to have a smartphone in the household, but yeah. Will a will a child in the family get access to it for two three hours? It's very uh, and will the child then have the priority to use it for studying yeah. versus playing PUBG? You know, it's very hard to tell. But do you see that changing at all? Because this is a question that you know uh, we've also debated. Uh, you know, with, with uh, some folks is um, when you're creating technology for a child, right? Which is what most of edutech is, um, and you know, I mean. Uh, putting away five ten thousand rupees uh, for a phone is a decent chunk yeah. of money for for a tier three tier four, even though yeah. geo and data is cheap, right? Um, mm-hmm. How do you see that playing out? I'm sure over time that's going to slowly get filled out because there'll be uh, more yeah, the number is still very meaningful. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, even if you say okay, let me look at the ten percent household which have two smartphones. My mother also has a smartphone. It's not uncommon. Right. So the over time, if you just look at the continuum, you know, getting a third phone again is not out of the realm. Prices are only falling. So, but let's see. You know, the, how you the see, smartphone. Yeah. Are, are you seeing anything specific to a COVID and its impact in the near term? We are seeing digitization across the board, whether it's banking, insurance, education. The need for reducing human contact, uh, shared mobility versus single mobility, so a, a bounce versus you know uh, uh, mm. you know anything where there's a driver. There is clearly that uh, theme of how can I get more digital experience and minimize human contact. You know, you have a lot of these companies that have been funded uh, to you know create urban mobility, right? Um, mm-hmm. Olas and Ubers, and there are tons of other guys who are in this space. Do you see that being an opportunity to disrupt that in, in a rural? Because there's a state highways, there's national highways, etc., which don't have, and a lot of India lives on those, uh, you know, kind of areas where maybe even the bus, uh, you know, transportation or public transport isn't good, safe, or uh, you know, regular. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys have any uh, uh, thesis on that? Like, what would come in and become uh, quintessential in these spaces? 
So, uh, you know, for example, Intercity, which is uh, part of Raelion, which, uh, you know, where Bitcoin and Helion, I, you know, I, I have invested. Um, they're obviously now, re, you know, restarting with this whole premise of how do you make bus travel safer? So, you know, there's a challenge of how do you uh, meet the, uh, you know, uh, the per cost per mile uh, objective of, you know, of an Indian travel. Forget about rural. I mean, it's, it's very low. Uh, and you try and get this uh, into a safe zone. So that's a very big challenge. So, you know, uh, two-wheeler EVs seem to be that, you know, the, the answer as of now. Where you are a single driver, you don't have to share the space, and the cost per mile is very high, uh, is very low. Very low. Yeah. Uh, it, meets, it meets everyone's objective. So I think that uh, 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 that seems to be the the solution as of now. I think where, but again, to put it in a tier three, tier four context, of course, the you know the there are uh, bounce has plans to be in those cities. Uh, they, you know. Do we do we look at some company that actually starts from there? You know, could be could be interesting to look at. Of course, you know there is a whole pickup point challenge in tier three, tier four because yeah. here you have a point in a very large uh, workspace, uh, so high density of uh, potential pickup points or people picking up from that point. Whereas in a tier three, tier four, or a rural area, the you know the pickup point would be a public space probably or uh, it's hard to it's hard to figure out but yeah interesting challenges to um here out this has been this has been awesome uh, do you have any parting words for uh, entrepreneurs uh, on, on how they should get in touch with you uh, what kind of folks you're looking to get you know who should reach out to you and, and how should they reach out to you <laughs> sure Varun. this was a lot of fun and good with you like the last time I think we met over the coffee was I, I used to live in Gurgaon. Now I live in it's Bangalore. Like, oh really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's news to me. So uh, you know Bangalore of course is, is great because uh, uh, the cafes are reopening and uh, hopefully there won't be a second wave. So I would love to meet uh, you know more people over coffee and uh, you can reach me at Rahul at arkamvc.com so let me know, especially if you're solving, you know, large hairy problems of middle India in the, in, you know, and especially if it is, don't think too much about whether it's B2B or tech. We are looking at the entire stack, but it has to be a, you know, a, a problem that is real here and now and uh, essential in nature in those uh, four areas. And, and, and I think tech is something we will be looking at as well. So mobility, agri, fintech, health, and edtech, anything in these five areas, give us a shout. And uh, and uh, we'd love to chat more about it. Hey, Raul, good luck with your uh, new fund. Uh, hope you make uh, multi-billionaires out of the investments you make. And in return, you know, you can find a lot more interesting, smart, driven entrepreneurs. 